0: CD 2 The rest of the men moved unsteadily on later that day, taking with them to give to his parents the pot-metal medal that had been in the man's coat pocket and the official commendation from the Duchy that went with it. Polly had taken a look at it. It was printed, including the Duchess's signature, and the man's name had been filled in rather cramped because it was longer than average. "'the last few letters were rammed up tight together. "'It's little details like that which get remembered "'as undirected white-hot rage fills the mind. "'Apart from the letter and the medal, "'all the man left behind was a tin mug "'and, on the floor, a stain which wouldn't scrub out.' "'Corporal Strappy listened impatiently "'to a slightly adjusted version. "'Polly could see his mind working. "'The mug had belonged to a soldier.' Now it belonged to another soldier. Those were the facts of the matter, and there wasn't much he could do about it. He resorted instead to the safer ground of general abuse. "'So you think you're smart, Parts?' he said. "'No, Corporal?' "'Oh, so you're stupid, are you?' "'Well, I did enlist, Corporal,' said Polly meekly. Somewhere behind Strappy, someone sniggered. "'I've got my eye on you, Parts,' growled Strappy, temporarily defeated." Just you put a foot wrong, that's all. He strode off. Um said a voice beside Polly. She turned to see another youth, wearing second hand clothes and an air of nervousness that didn't quite conceal some bubbling anger. He was big and red haired, but his hair was cut so close that it was just head fuzz. You're a tonker, right? she said. Yeah, and could I have a bottle of your shaving gear, right? Polly looked at a chin as free of hair as a billiard ball, "'The boy blushed. "'Got to start some time, right?' "'He said defiantly. "'The razor'll need sharpening,' said Polly. "'That's all right, I know how to do that,' said Tonka. "'Polly wordlessly handed over the mug and razor, "'and took the opportunity to duck into the privy "'while everyone else was occupied. "'It was the work of a moment to put the socks in place. "'Anchoring them was a problem, "'which she solved by unwinding part of one sock "'and tucking it up under her belt. "'They felt odd.' and strangely heavy for a little package of wool. Walking a little awkwardly, Polly went in to see what horrors breakfast would bring. It brought stale horse bread and sausage and very weak beer. She grabbed a sausage and a slab of bread and sat down. You had to concentrate to eat horse bread. There was a lot more about these days, a bread made from flour ground up with dried peas and beans and dried vegetable scrapings, It used to be made just for horses, to put them in fine condition. Now you hardly ever saw anything else on the table, and there tended to be less and less of it, too. You needed time and good teeth to work your way through a slice of horse bread, just like you needed a complete lack of imagination to eat a modern sausage. Polly sat and concentrated on chewing. The only other area of calm was around private maledict, who was drinking coffee like a young man relaxing in a sidewalk café, with an air of someone who has life thoroughly worked out. He nodded at Polly. Was that him in the privy, she wondered? I'd got back in just as Strappy started yelling and everyone started running around and rushing in and out. It could have been anyone. Do vampires use the privy? Well, do they? Has anyone ever dared ask? Sleep well, he asked. "'Yeah, did you?' said Polly. "'I couldn't stand that shed, "'but Mr. Eyebrow kindly allowed me to use his cellar,' said Maledict. "'Old habits died hard, you know. "'At least,' he added, "'old acceptable habits. "'I've never felt happy not hanging down.' "'And you got coffee?' "'I carry my own supply,' said Maledict, "'indicating an exquisite little silver-and-gilt coffee-making engine "'on the table by his cup.' and Mr. Eyebrow kindly boiled some water for me. He grinned, showing two long canine teeth. It's amazing what you can achieve with a smile, Oliver. Polly nodded. Er, um, is Igor a friend of yours? she said. At the next table, Igor had obtained a sausage, presumably raw, from the kitchen, and was watching it intently. A couple of wires ran from the sausage to a mug of the horrible vinegary beer, which was bubbling. "'Never seen him before in my life,' said the vampire. "'Of course. If you've met one, you have, in a sense, met them all. We had an Igor at home, wonderful workers, very reliable, very trustworthy, and, of course, so good at stitching things together, if you know what I mean.' "'Those stitches round his head don't look very professional,' said Polly, who was beginning to object to Maledict's permanent expression of effortless superiority. "Oh, that it's an Igor thing,' said Maledict. It's a look, like tribal scars, you know. They like them to show. Ha! We had a servant once who had stitches all the way round his neck, and he was extremely proud of them. Really? said Polly weakly. Yes, and the droll part of it all was, it wasn't even his head. Now Igor had a syringe in his hand, and was watching the sausage with an air of satisfaction. For a moment Polly thought that the sausage moved. All right, all right. Time's up, you horrible lot, barked Corporal Strappy, strutting into the room. Fall in? That means line up, you shower. That means you two parts. And you, Mr Vampire, sir, will you be joining us for a morning's light soldiering? On your feet. And oh, where's that bloody Igor? Here, ah, Thar, said Igor from three inches behind Strappy's backbone. The Corporal spun around. How do you get there? He bellowed. It's a gift, Thar, said Igor. "'Don't you ever get behind me again. "'Fall in with the rest of them. "'Now, shun "'Strappy sighed theatrically. "'That means stand up straight, got it? "'Once more with feeling. a "'Attention!' Oh, "'I see the problem. "'You've got trousers that are permanently at ease. "'I think I shall have to write to the Duchess "'and tell her she should ask for her money back. "'What are you smiling about, Mr Vampire, sir?' Strappy, positioned himself in front of Maledict, who stood faultlessly to attention. "'Happy to be in a regiment, Corporal.' "'Yeah, right,' mumbled Strappy. "'Well, you won't be so.' "'Everything all right, Corporal?' asked Sergeant Jackram, appearing in the doorway. "'Best we could expect, Sergeant,' sighed the Corporal. "'We ought to throw him back. Oh, dear me, yes. Useless, useless, useless.' "'Okay, lads, stand easy,' said Jackram glancing at Strappy in a less-than-friendly way. "'Today we're heading on down toward Plots, where we'll meet up with the other recruiting parties, and you'll be issued with your uniforms and weapons, you lucky lads. Any of you ever used a weapon? You have perks?' Polly lowered her hand. "'A bit, Sarge. My brother taught me a bit when he was home on leave, and some of the old men in the bar at home gave me some, er, tips.' They had, too. It was funny to watch a girl waving a sword around, and they'd been kind enough when they weren't laughing. She was a quick learner, but she'd made a point of staying clumsy long after she'd got the feel for the blade, because using a sword was also the work of a man, and a woman doing it was an abomination unto Nuggan. Old soldiers on the whole were on the easy-going side when it came to abominations. She'd be funny just as long as she was useless, and safe as long as she was funny. "'Expert, are you?' "'said Strappy, grinning nastily. "'A real fencing genius, are you?' "'No, corporal?' said Polly meekly. "'All right,' said Jackram. "'Anyone else? Hang on, Sarge. "'I reckon we'd all like a bit of instruction "'from swordmeister parts,' said Strappy. "'Ain't that right, lads?' "'There was a general murmuring and shrugging from the squad, "'who recognised a right little bullying bastard "'when they saw one, but treacherously "'were glad he hadn't picked on them.' Strappy drew his own sword. Lend him one of yours, Sarge, he said. Go on, just a little bit of fun, eh? Jackram hesitated and glanced at Polly. How about it, lad? You don't have to, he said. I'll have to sooner or later, Polly thought. The world was full of Strappies. If you backed away from them, they only kept on coming. You had to stop them at the start, she sighed. OK, Sarge. Jackram pulled one of his cutlasses out of his sash and handed it to Polly. It looked amazingly sharp. He won't hurt you, Perks, he said, while looking at the smirking Strappy. I'll try not to hurt him either, Sarge, said Polly, and then cursed herself for the idiot bravado. It must have been the socks talking. Oh, good, said Strappy, stepping back. We'll just see what you're made of, parts. Flesh, thought Polly. Blood. Easily cut things. Oh, well strappy waved his sabre like the old boys had done down low in case she was one of those people who thought the whole idea was to hit the other man's sword she ignored it and watched his eyes which was no great treat he wouldn't stick her not mortally not with Jackram watching he'd try for something that had hurt and make everyone laugh at her that was the strappy type through and through every inn counted one or two amongst its regulars The corporal tested her more aggressively a couple of times, and twice, by luck, she managed to knock the blade out of the way. Luck would run out, though, and if she looked like putting up a decent show, Strappy would sort her out good and proper. Then she remembered the cackled advice of old Gummy Abbans, a retired sergeant who'd lost his left arm to a broadsword and all his teeth to cider. "'A good swordsman hates coming up against a newbie, girl. The reason being, he don't know what the bugger's going to do.' She swung the sabre wildly. Strappy had to block it, and for a moment the swords locked. That the best you can do, Parts, the corporal jeered. Polly reached out and grabbed his shirt. No, corporal, she said, but this is. She pulled hard and lowered her head. The collision hurt more than she'd hoped, but she heard something crunch and it didn't belong to her. She stepped back quickly, slightly dizzy, with the sabre at the ready. Strappy had sunk to his knees, blood gushing from his nose. When he got up, someone was going to die. Panting, Polly appealed wordlessly to Sergeant Jackram, who had folded his arms and was looking innocently at the ceiling. "'I bet you didn't learn that from your brother, Perks,' he said. "'No, Sarge. Got that from Gummy abbins Sarge.' Jackram suddenly looked down at her, grinning. "'What, old Sergeant abbins Yes, Sarge.' "'There's a name from the past. He's still alive.' "'How is the evil old sot?' Uh, "'Ah, well-preserved, Sarge,' Polly said, still trying to get her breath. Jackram laughed. "'Yeah, I'll bet. Did his best fighting in bars, he did, and I'll bet that's not the only trick he told you about, eh?' "'No, sir.' And the other men had scolded the old boy for telling her, and Gummy had chuckled into his cider mug, and anyway it had taken Polly a long time to find out what family jewels meant. "'Hear that, Strappy?' said the sergeant to the cursing man dribbling blood onto the floor. Looks like you was lucky. But there's no prizes for fighting fair in a melee lads, as you shall learn. All right, fun over. Go and put some cold water on that corporal. It always looks worse than it is. And that's the end of it, the pair of you. That is an order. A word to the wise, understood? Yes, Sarge, said Polly meekly. Strappy grunted. Jackram looked at the rest of the recruits. Okay. Any of the rest of you boys ever held a stick? Right. I can see we're going to have to start slow and work up. There was another grunt from Strappy. You had to admire the man. On his knees, with blood bubbling through the hand cupping his injured nose, he could find time to make life difficult for someone in some small way. <coughs> Private flack <laughs> as a Snow-f- sergeant, he said accusingly. Any good with it? said the sergeant to Maledict. Not really, sir said Maledict, never had training, I carry it for protection, sir. "'How can you protect yourself by carrying a sword if you don't know how to use it?' "'Not me, sir, other people. They see the sword and they don't attack me,' said Maledict, patiently. "'Yeah, but if they did, lad, you wouldn't be any good with it,' said the sergeant. "'No, sir, I'd probably settle for just ripping their head off, sir. That's what I mean by protection, sir. Theirs not mine.' "'And I'd get hell from the league "'if I did that, sir.' "'The sergeant stared at him for a while. "'Well thought out,' he mumbled. "'There was a thud behind them "'and a table overturned. "'Carborundum the troll sat upright, "'groaned, and crashed back down again. "'At the second attempt, "'he managed to stay upright, "'both hands clutching his head. "'Corporal Strappy, now on his feet, "'must have been made fearless by fury.' He headed for the troll in a high-speed strut and stood in front of him, vibrating with rage and still oozing blood in sticky strings. You horrible little man, he screamed. You! Carborundum reached down and, with care and no apparent effort, picked the corporal up by his head. He brought him to one crusted eye and turned him this way and that. Did I join Darby? he rumbled. Oh, corporalith! "'This is an affront on a new f- period, officer,' screamed the corporal in a muffled voice. "'Put Corporal Strappy down, please,' said Sergeant Jackram. The troll grunted and lowered the man to the floor. "'Sorry about that,' he said. "'For you was a dwarf.' "'I oh, demand this man is a for—' Strappy began. "'No, you don't, corporal, no, you don't,' said the sergeant. "'This is not the time. On your feet, Carburundam, and get in line.' "'Upon my oath, you try that little trick one more time and there will be trouble, understand?' "'Yes, sergeant,' growled the troll and knuckled himself to his feet. "'Right, then,' said the sergeant, stepping back. "'Now today, my lucky lads, we're going to learn about something we call marching.' They left Plume to the wind and rain. About an hour after they'd vanished around a bend in the valley, the shed they'd slept in mysteriously burned down.' There have been better attempts at marching, and they have been made by penguins. Sergeant Jackram brought up the rear and the cart, shouting instructions, but the recruits moved as if they'd never before had to get from place to place. The sergeant yelled the swagger out of their steps, stopped the cart, held an impromptu lesson in the concepts of right and left, for a few of them, and by degrees they left the mountains. Polly remembered those first few days with mixed feelings. All they did was march, but she was used to long walks and her boots were good. The trousers ceased to chafe. A watery sun took the trouble to shine. It wasn't cold. It would have been fine if it hadn't been for the corporal. She wondered how Strappy, whose nose was now about the same colour as a plum, was going to handle the situation between them. It turned out that he intended to deal with it by pretending it hadn't happened, and also by having as little as possible to do with Polly. He didn't spare the others, although he was selective. Maledict was left strictly alone, as was Carborundum. Whatever else Strappy was, he wasn't suicidal. And he was bewildered by Igor. The little man did whatever stupid chores Strappy found for him, and he did them quickly, competently, and with every impression of someone happy in his work. And that left the corporal completely mystified. He'd pick on the others for no reason at all, harangue them until they made some trivial mistake, and then bawl them out. His target of choice was Private Goom, better known as Wazza, who was stick-thin and round-eyed and nervous and said grace loudly before meals. By the end of the first day, Strappy could make him throw up just by shouting. And then he'd laugh. Only, he never really laughed, Polly noted. What you got instead was a sort of harsh gargling of spit at the back of the throat, a noise like, ha <laughs> ha The presence of the man cast a damper on everything. Jackram seldom interfered. He often watched Strappy, though, and once, when Polly caught his eye, he winked. On the first night, a tent was shouted by Strappy off the cart and shouted up, and after a supper of stale bread and sausage had been shouted, they were shouted in front of a blackboard to be shouted at. Across the top of the board, Strappy had written What we are fighting for, and down the side he had written One, two, three. Right, pay attention, he said, slapping the board with a stick. There's some who think that you boys ought to know why we are fighting this war, Okay? Well, here it comes. Point one. Remember the town of Lips? It was viciously attacked by Slovenian troops a year ago. They... Sorry, but I thought we attacked Lips, didn't we, Corporal? Last year, they said, Shufty began. Are you trying to be smart, Private Manacle? Strappy demanded, naming the biggest sin in his personal list. "'Just want to know, Corporal said Shufty. He was stocky, running to plump, and one of those people who bustled about being helpful in a mildly annoying way, taking over small jobs that you wouldn't have minded doing for yourself. There was something odd about him, although you had to bear in mind he was currently sitting next to Wazza, who had enough odd for everybody and was probably contagious. And had caught Strappy's eye. There was no fun in having a go at Shufty, but Wazza now, Wazza was always worth a shout.' Are you listening, Private Goom? he screamed. Wozzer, who had been sitting and looking up with his eyes closed, jerked awake. Corporal? he quavered as Strappy advanced. I said, Are you listening, Goom? Yeah, Corporal, moaned Wozzer, shaking with fear. Really? And what did you hear, may I ask? said Strappy in a voice of treacle and acid. Nothing, Corporal. She's not speaking. Strappy took a deep, delighted breath of evil air you are a useless worthless pile of there was a sound it was a small nondescript sound one that you heard every day a noise that did its job but never expected to be for example whistled or part of an interesting sonata it was simply the sound of stone scraping on metal on the other side of the fire jackram lowered his cutlass he had a sharpening stone in his other hand He returned their group stare. "'What? Oh, just maintaining the edge?' he said innocently. "'Sorry if I interrupted your flow there, Corporal. Carry on.' A basic animal survival instinct came to the Corporal's aid. He left the trembling Wazza alone, and turned back to Shufti. "Uh, "'Yes, yes, we attacked Lips too,' said Strappy. "'Was that before these Lobinians did?' said Maledict. "'Will you listen?' "'Strappy demanded. "'We valiantly attacked Libs "'to reclaim what is Borogravian territory, "'and then the treacherous Swede has stole it back.' "'Polly tuned out a little at this point, "'now that there was no immediate prospect "'of seeing Strappy decapitated. "'She knew about Libs. "'Half the old men who came and drank with her father "'had attacked the place. "'But no one had expected them to want to do it. "'Someone had just shouted, "'Attack!' "'The trouble was the connect River.' It wandered across the wide, rich, silty plain like a piece of dropped string, but sometimes a flash flood or even a big fallen tree would cause it to crack like a whip, throwing coils of river around areas of land miles from its previous bed. And the river was the international border. She surfaced to hear, But this time everyone's on their side, they bastards. And you know why? It's because of ankh pork." "'Because we stopped the mail-coaches going over our country "'and tore down their clax-towers, "'which are an abomination unto Nuggan, "'Ankh-Morpork is a godless city.' "'I thought it had more than three hundred places of worship,' said Maledict. "'Strappy stared at him in a rage that was incoherent "'until he managed to touch bottom again. "'Ankh-Morpork is a god-awful city,' he said. "'Poisonous, just like its river.' Barely fit for humans now, they let everything in. Zombies, werewolves, dwarfs, vampires, trolls. He remembered his audience, faltered and recovered. Which, in some cases, can be a good thing, of course. But it is a foul, lewd, lawless, overcrowded mess of a place, which is why Prince Heinrich loves it so much. He's been taken over by it. Bought by cheap toys, because that's the way Ankh Morpork plays it, men. They buy you, they will you stop interrupting? What's the good of me trying to teach you stuff if you're going to keep on asking questions? I was just wondering why it's so crowded, Corp, said Tonka. If it's so bad, I mean? That's because they are a degraded people, Private, and they've sent a regiment up here to help Heinrich take over our beloved motherland. He has turned aside from the ways of Nuggen and embraced Ankh Morpork's godless god awfulness. "'Strappy looked pleased at having spotted that one and went on, two. "'In addition to its soldiers, Ankh-Morpork has sent Vimes the Butcher, "'the most evil man in that evil city. "'They are bent on nothing less than our destruction.' "'I heard that Ankh-Morpork was just angry that we cut the Clax towers down,' said Polly. "'They were on our sovereign territory.' "'Well, it was Lobinian until,' Polly began." Strappy waved an angry finger at her. You listen to me, Parts. You can't get to be a great country like Borogravia without making enemies. Which leads me on to point three, Parts, who's sitting there thinking he's so smart. You all are. I can see it. Well, be smart about this. You might not like everything about your country, eh? It might not be the perfect place, but it's ours. You might think we don't have the best laws, "'but they are ours. "'The mountains might not be the prettiest ones "'or the tallest ones, but they are ours. "'We're fighting for what's ours, men.' "'Strappy slammed his hand over his heart. "'Awake, ye sons of the Motherland, "'taste no more the wine of the sour apples.' "'They joined in with various levels of drone. "'You had to. "'Even if you just opened and shut your mouth, you had to. "'Even if you just went, no, no, no.' You had to. Polly, who was exactly the kind of person who looks around surreptitiously at times like these, saw that Shufty was singing it word perfectly, and Strappy actually did have tears in his eyes. Wazza wasn't singing at all, he was praying. That was a good wheeze, said one of the more treacherous areas at the back of Polly's mind. To the bewilderment of all, Strappy continued alone all through the second verse, which nobody ever remembered, and then gave them a smug, I'm more patriotic than you smile. Afterwards, they tried to sleep on as much softness as two blankets could provide. They lay there in silence for some time. Jackram and Strappy had tents of their own, but instinctively they knew that Strappy at least would be a sneaker and a listener at tent flaps. After about an hour, when rain was drumming on the canvas, Carborundum said, ''Okay, then, I think I've worked it out. If people are groupar stupid,'' then we'll fight for Group ha stupidity, cause it's our stupidity, and that's good, yeah? Several of the squad sat up in the darkness, amazed at this. I realise I ought to know these things, but what does Group ha mean? said the voice of Maledict in the damp darkness. Oh, well, when, right a daddy troll, an... "'A mummy chow. "'Good, right, yes, I think I've got it. "'Thank you,' said Maledict. "'And what you've got there, my friend, "'is patriotism. "'My country, right or wrong?' "'You should love your country,' said Shifting. "'Okay, what part?' "'The voice of Tonka demanded from the far corner of the tent. "'The morning sunlight on the mountains, "'the horrible food, "'the damn mad abominations, "'all of my country except whatever bit strappy "'is standing on.' "'But we are at war.' "'Yes, that's where they've got you,' sighed Polly. "'Well, I'm not buying into it. "'It's all trickery. "'They keep you down, "'and when they piss off some other country, "'you have to fight for them. "'It's only your country "'when they want you to get killed,' said Tonka. "'All a good business country in this tent,' "'said the voice of Wazza. "'Embarrassed silence descended. "'The rain settled in. "'After a while, the tent began to leak. "'Eventually, someone said— "'What happens, um, if you join up, but then you decide you don't want to?' That was Shifty. "'I think that's called deserting, and they cut your head off,' said the voice of Maledict. "'In my case that would be a drawback, but you, dear Shifty, would find it simply puts a big crimp in your social life.' "'I never kissed that damn picture,' said Tonka. "'I swivelled it round when Strappy wasn't looking and kissed it on the back.' "'They'll still say you kissed the Duchess, though,' said Maledict. "'You c- c- kissed the duchess on, on 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 the b- bottom?' said Wazza, horrified. "'It was the back of the picture, okay?' said Tonka. "'It wasn't a real backside. Huh. "'Wouldn't have kissed it if it was.' There was some unidentified sniggering from various corners, and just a hint of giggle. "'That was wicked,' hissed Wozza. "'Nuggan in heaven saw you to t- do that.' "'It was just a picture, all right,' muttered Tonka, "'Anyway, what's the difference? Front or back, we're all here together, "'and I don't see any steak and bacon.' "'Something rumbled overhead. "'I join to see exciting foreign places and meet erotic people,' said Carburundum. "'That caused a moment's thought. "'I think you mean exotic,' said Igor. "'Yeah, that kind of stuff,' agreed the troll. "'But they always lie,' said someone and then Polly realised it was her. They lie all the time about everything. "'He meant all that,' said Tonka. "'We fight for liars.' "'Ah, they may be liars,' snapped Polly, in a passable imitation of Strappy's yap. "'But they're our liars.' "'Now, now, children,' said Maledict, "'let's try to get some sleep, shall we? "'But here's a happy little dream from your Uncle Maledict. "'Dream that when we go into battle, Corporal Strappy is leading us. "'Wouldn't that be fun?' "'After a while Tonka said, "'In front of us, you mean? "'Oh, yes, I can see you're with me, Tonk, "'right in front of you, "'on the noisy, frantic, confusing battlefield, "'where all oh so much can go wrong.' "'And we'll have weapons,' said Shufti wistfully. "'Of course you'll have weapons, your soldiers, "'and there's the enemy right in front of you.' "'That's a good dream, Mal.' "'Sleep on it, kid.' Polly turned over and tried to make herself comfortable. It's all lies, she thought Muzzily. Some of them are just prettier than others, that's all. People see what they think is there. Even I'm a lie, but I'm getting away with it. A warm autumnal wind was blowing leaves off the rowan trees as the recruits marched among the foothills. It was the morning of the next day, and the mountains were behind them. Polly passed the time identifying the birds in the hedgerows. It was a habit. She knew most of them. She hadn't set out to be an ornithologist, but birds brought Paul alive. All the slowness in the rest of his thinking became a flash of lightning in the presence of birds. Suddenly he knew their names, habits, and habitats, could whistle their songs, and, after Polly had saved up for a box of paints of a traveller at the inn, had painted a picture of a wren so real you could hear it. Their mother had been alive then, The row had gone on for days. Pictures of living creatures were an abomination in the eyes of Nuggan. Polly had asked why there were pictures of the Duchess everywhere, and had been thrashed for it. The picture had been burned, the paints thrown away. It was a terrible thing. Her mother had been a kind woman, or as kind as a devout woman could be, while trying to keep up with the whims of Nuggan, and she died slowly and painfully amid pictures of the Duchess, and among the echoes of unanswered prayers. But that was the memory that crawled treacherously into Polly's mind every time, the fury and the scolding, while the little birds seemed to flutter in the flames. In the fields, women and old men were getting in the spoiled wheat after last night's rain, hoping to save what they could. There weren't any young men visible. Polly saw some of the other recruits steal a glance at the scavenging parties, and wondered if they were thinking the same thing. They saw no one else on the road until midday, when the party was marching through a landscape of low hills. The sun had boiled away some of the clouds, and, for a moment at least, summer was back, moist and sticky and mildly unpleasant, like a party guest who won't go home. A red blob in the distance became a rather larger blob and resolved itself into a loose knot of men. Polly knew what to expect as soon as she saw it. By the reaction of some of the others, they did not. There was a moment of collision and confusion as people walked into one another, and then the party stopped and stared. It took the wounded men some time to draw level and some time to pass. Two able-bodied men, as far as Polly could tell, were trundling a handcart on which a third man lay. Others were limping on crutches or had arms in slings or wore red jackets with an empty sleeve. Perhaps worse were the ones like the man in the inn, grey-faced. "'staring straight ahead, jackets buttoned tight despite the heat. "'One or two of the injured glanced at the recruits as they lurched past, "'but there was no expression in their eyes beyond a terrible determination. Jackram reined in the horse. "'All right, twenty minutes, breather,' he muttered. Igor turned, nodded to the party of wounded heading grimly onward, and said, "'Permit them to see if I can do anything for them, Tharj.' "'You'll get your chance soon enough, lad,' said the sergeant. "'Farge,' said Igor, looking hurt. "'All right if you must. "'Do you want someone to give you a hand?' "'There was a nasty laugh from Corporal Strappy. "'Thumb a 5th would be a help. "'Yes, sergeant,' said Igor with dignity. "'Sergeant looked at the squad and nodded. "'Private Alter step forward. "'Know anything about doctoring?' "'The red-headed tonker stepped forward smartly. "'I butchered pigs for me, ma'am, Sarge," he said. "'Capital!' "'Better than an army surgeon, pon my oath. "'Off you go, twenty minutes, remember. "'And don't let Igor bring back any souvenirs,' said Strappy, "'and laughed his scraping laugh again. "'The rest of the boys sat down on the grass by the road, "'and one or two of them disappeared into the bushes. "'Polly went on the same errand, but pushed in a lot further, "'and took the opportunity to make a little sock adjustment. "'They had a tendency to creep if she wasn't careful. "'She froze at a rustling behind her and then relaxed.' She'd been careful. No one would have seen anything. So what if someone else was taking a leak? She'd just push her way back to the road and take no notice. Lofty sprang up as Polly parted the bushes, breeches around one ankle, face red as a beetroot. Polly couldn't help herself. Maybe it was the socks. Maybe it was the pleading expression on Lofty's face. When someone's broadcasting don't look, the eyes have a mind of their own and go where they're not wanted. Lofty jumped up, dragging at her clothes. No, look, look, it's all right, Polly began, but it was too late. The girl had gone. Polly stared at the bushes and thought, blast. There's two of us. But what would I have said next? It's okay. I'm a girl too. You can trust me. We could be friends. Oh, and here's a good tip about socks. Igor and Tonka arrived back late, without saying anything. Nor did Sergeant Jackram. The squad moved off. Polly marched at the back with Carborundum. This meant she could keep a wary eye on Lofty, whoever she was. For the first time, Polly really looked at her. She was easy to miss, because she was always, as it were, in Tonka's shadow. She was short, although now Polly knew she was female, the word petite could decently be used, and was dark and dark-haired and had a strange, self-absorbed look, and she was always marching with Tonka. Come to think of it... She always slept close to him, too. Ah, so that was it. She's following her boy, Polly thought. It was kind of romantic and very, very dumb. Now she knew to look beyond the clothes and haircut. She could see all the little clues that Lofty was a girl, and a girl who hadn't planned enough. She saw Lofty whisper something to Tonka, who half turned and gave Polly a look of instant hatred and a hint of threat. I can't! tell her she thought she would tell him i can't afford to let them know i've put too much into this i didn't just cut my hair and wear trousers i planned ah yes the plans it had begun as a sudden strange fancy but it had continued as a plan at first polly had started to watch boys closely This had been reciprocated hopefully by a few of them to their subsequent disappointment. She watched how they moved. She listened to the rhythm of what passed among boys for conversation. She'd noted how they punched one another in greeting. It was a new world. She had good muscles for a girl because running a large inn was all about moving heavy things, and she took over a number of the grittier chores which coarsened her hands nicely. "'She'd even worn a pair of her brother's old breeches "'under her long skirt to get the feel of them. "'A woman could be beaten for that sort of thing. "'Men dressed like men and women like women. "'Doing it the other way round was "'a blasphemous abomination unto nuggan,' "'according to Father Jupe. "'And that was probably the secret of her success so far,' "'she thought, as she trudged through a puddle. "'People didn't look for a woman in trousers.' To the casual observer, men's clothes and short hair and a bit of a swagger were what it took to be a man. Oh, and a second pair of socks. That had been gnawing at her, too. Someone knew about her, just like she knew about Lofty. And he hadn't given her away. She'd feared it was Eyebrow, but doubted it. He'd have told the sergeant about her he was that sort.' Right now she was guessing it was maledict, but perhaps that was just because he seemed so knowing all the time. Carb... No, he'd been out cold and, in any case, no, not the troll. And Igor lisped. Tonka? After all, he'd know about Lofty, so maybe... No. Because why would he want to help Polly? No, there was nothing but danger in owning up to Lofty. The best she could do was try and see to it that the girl didn't give both of them away. She could hear Tonka whispering to his girl. I'd just died, so he cut off one of his legs and an arm and sewed em on men who needed him, just like I'd done a tear. You should have seen it. You couldn't see his fingers move. And he has all these ointments that just... Tonka's voice died away. Strappy was haranguing Wazzer again. That Strappy really gets on my crags, muttered Carburundum. You want I should pull the head off of him? I could make it look like an accident. Better not, said Polly, but she did entertain the thought for a moment. They'd reached a road junction, where the road down from the mountains joined what passed for a main highway. It was crowded. There were carts and wheelbarrows, people driving herds of cows, grandmothers carrying all the household possessions on their backs, a general excitement of pigs and children, and it was all heading one way. It was the opposite way to the way the squad was going. The people and animals flowed around it like a stream around an inconvenient rock. The recruits bunched up. It was that or be separated by cows. Sergeant Jackram stood up in the cart. Private carborundum. Yes, sergeant, rumbled the troll. To the front. That helped. The stream still flowed, but at least the crowds parted some distance further along the road and gave the squad a wide berth, No one wants to barge up against even a slow-moving troll. But faces stared as the people hurried by. An old lady darted out for a moment, pressed a loaf of stale bread into Tonka's hands and said, You poor boys, before being swept away in the throng. What's this all about, Sarge? said Maledict. These look like refugees. Talk like that spreads alarm and despondency, shouted Corporal Strappy. ''Oh, you mean they're just people getting away early for the holidays to avoid the rush,'' said Maledict. ''Sorry I got confused. It must be that woman carrying a whole haystack we just passed.'' ''Do you know what can happen to you for cheeking a superior officer?'' screamed Strappy. ''No, tell me, is it worse than whatever it is these people are running away from?'' ''You signed up, Mr. Bloodsucker. You obey orders.'' ''Right, but I don't remember anyone ordering me not to think.'' Enough of that! Snapped Jackram. Less shouting down there. Move on, Garbrandham. You give people a push if they don't make way. You're here. They moved on. After a while, the press of people abated a little, so that what had been a torrent became a trickle. Occasionally, there would be a family group or just one hurrying woman burdened with bags. One old man was struggling with a wheelbarrow full of turnips. They are even taking the crops out of the fields. Polly noted. "'and everyone moved at a kind of half-run, "'as if things would be a little better "'when they'd caught up with the mass of people ahead, "'or merely overtook them, perhaps. "'The squad was passed by an old woman bent double "'under the weight of a black-and-white pig. "'And then there was just the road, rutted and muddy. "'An afternoon mist was rising from the fields on either side, "'quiet and clammy. "'After the noise of the refugees, "'the silence of the low countryside was suddenly oppressive.' The only sound was the trudge and splash of the recruits' boots. Permission to speak, Sarge, said Polly. Yes, Private, said Jackram. How far is it to plots? You don't have to tell him, Sarge, said Strappy. About five miles, said Sergeant Jackram. You'll get your uniforms and weapons at the depot there. That's a military secret, Sarge, Strappy whined. We could shut our eyes so as we don't see what we're wearing. How about that, said Maledict. Stop that private maledict, said Jackram. Just keep moving and guard that tongue. They plodded on. The road grew muddier. A breeze sprang up, but instead of carrying the mist away, it merely streamed it across the damp fields in twisty, clammy, unpleasant shapes. The sun became an orange ball. Polly saw something large and white flutter across the field, blown by the wind. At first she thought it was a migratory lesser egret that had left things a little late, but it was clearly being blown by the wind. It flopped down once or twice, and then, as a gust caught it, blew across the road and wrapped itself across Corporal Strappy's face. He screamed. Lofty grabbed at the fluttering thing, which was damp. It tore in his... her... hands, and most of it dropped away from the struggling corporal. "'It's just a bit of paper,' she said. Strappy flailed at it. "'I knew that,' he said. "'I never asked you.' Polly picked up one of the torn scraps. The paper was thin and muddy, although she recognised the words Ankh-Morpork, the god-awful city, and the genius of Strappy was that anything he was against automatically sounded attractive. Ankh-Morpork Times, she read aloud before the corporal snatched it out of her hand. You can't just read anything you see, Parts, he shouted. You don't know who wrote it. He dropped the damp scrap onto the mud and stamped on it. Now let's move on, he said. They moved on. When the squad was more or less in rhythm and staring at nothing more than its boots or the mist ahead of it, Polly raised her right hand to chest height and carefully turned it palm up so that she could see the fragment of paper that had soggily stayed behind when the rest had been pulled away. No surrender to alliance, says Duchess, 97. From William de Word, Valley of the Kneck September 7. Borogravian troops, assisted by Lord v- Light Infantry, took Connect keep this mop. After fierce hand-to-hand fight, I write its armaments, which are being turned on the rim borogravian forces. His grace, commander, told the Times that surrender had been reged. View the enemy command load of stiff-necked fools don't in the paper. It is understood desperate situ spread famine. Across. T- no alternative. Invasion. They were winning, weren't they? So where did the word surrender come from? And what was the alliance? And then there was the problem of Strappy, which had been growing on her. She could see he got on Jackram's nerves as well, and he had a struttiness about him, a certain. Um, sockiness, as if he was really the one in charge. Perhaps it was just general unpleasantness, but. Corporal," she said. "'Yes, Parts,' said Strappy, his nose was still very red. "'We are winning this war, aren't we?' said Polly. She'd given up correcting him. Suddenly, every ear in the squad was listening. "'Don't you bother yourself about that, Parts,' snapped the corporal. "'Your job is to fight!' "'Right, Corp, but so I'll be fighting on the winning side, will I?' "'Oh, oh, we've got someone who asks too many questions here, Sarge,' said Strappy. Yeah, don't ask questions, Perks, said Jackram, absent-mindedly. So we are losing, then, said Tonka. Strappy turned on him. That's spreading alarm and despondency again, that is, he shrieked. That's aiding the enemy. Yeah, knock it off, Private Holter, said Jackram. Okay, now get up. Holter, I'm placing you under arrest for, Strappy began. Corporal Strappy, a word in your shell like here, please. You men, you stop here, growled the sergeant, clambering down from the cart. Jackram walked back down the road about fifty feet. Glaring around at the squad, the corporal strutted after him. Are we in trouble? said Tonka. You'll guess, said Maledict. Bound to be, said Shufty. Strappy can always get you for something. They're having an argument, said Maledict. Which is odd, don't you think? A sergeant is supposed to give orders to a corporal. We are winning, aren't we? said Shufty. I mean, I know there's a war, but— "'I mean, we get weapons, don't we, and we'll—well, they've got to train us, right? It'll probably be over by then, right? Everyone says we're winning.' "'I will ask the Duchess in my prayers tonight," said Wazza. The rest of the squad looked at one another with a shared expression. "'Yeah, right, Waz,' said Tonka kindly. "'You do that.' The sun was setting fast, half hidden in the mist. Here, on the muddy road between damp fields, it suddenly felt as cold as it could be. "'No one says we're winning except maybe Strappy,' said Polly. "'They just say that everyone says we're winning.' "'The men he repaired didn't even say that,' said Tonka. "'They said, you poor bastards, you'll leg it if you've got any sense.' "'Thank you for sharing,' said Maledict. "'It looks as though everyone's feeling sorry for us,' said Polly.' "'Yeah, well, thumb I, and I ameth,' said Igor. "'Thumb of those men.' "'All right, all right, stop lollygagging, you lot,' shouted Strappy, marching up. "'Corporal,' said the sergeant, quietly, hauling himself back onto the cart. Strappy paused, and then, in a voice dripping with syrup and sarcasm, he went on, "'Excuse me!' "'The sergeant myself would be obliged if you brave heroes-to-be "'would join us in a little light-march in jolly good, "'and there will be embroidery later on. "'Best foot-forward, ladies!' "'She heard Tonka gasp. "'Strappy turned, eyes glinting with sinister anticipation. "'Oh, someone doesn't like being called a lady, eh?' he said. "'Dear me, Private Alter, you've got a lot to learn, haven't you?' "'You're a sissy little lady "'until we make a man of you, right? "'And I dread to think "'how long that's going to take. "'Move!' "'I know,' thought Polly "'as they set off. "'It takes about ten seconds "'and a pair of socks. "'One sock, "'and you could make strappy. "'Plots turned out to be like plume, "'but it was worse "'because it was bigger. "'The rain started again "'as they marched "'into the cobbled square. "'It looked as though "'it always rained here.' The buildings were grey and mud spattered near the ground. Roof gutters overflowed, pouring rain onto the cobbles and sending a spray over the recruits. There was no one about. Polly saw open doors banging in the wind and bits of debris in the streets, and remembered the lines of hurrying people on the road. There was no one here. Sergeant Jackram climbed down from the cart as Strappy balled them into line. Then the sergeant took over, leaving the corporal to glower from the sidelines. This is wonderful plots, he said. I will look round so that if you is killed and goes to hell, it won't come as a shock. You'll be bivvying in that barracks over there what is military property. He waved a hand towards a crumbling stone building that looked about as military as a barn. You will be issued with your equipment, and tomorrow it's a nice long march to Krotz, where you will arrive as boys and leave as men. Did I just say something funny, Perks? No, I thought so too. Tension! "'That means stand up straight. "'That's straight!' yelled Strapping. "'A young man was riding across the square "'on a tired, skinny brown horse, "'which was quite suitable "'because he was a tired, skinny man. "'The skinniness was helped by the fact "'that he wore a tunic "'that had clearly been made "'for someone a couple of sizes larger. "'The same applied to his helmet. "'He must have padded it, Polly thought. "'One cough and it'll be over his eyes.' "'Sergeant Jackram snapped off a salute "'as the officer approached. "'Jackram, sir!' "'You'll be Lieutenant Blouse, sir.' "'Well done, Sergeant.' "'These are the recruits from upriver, sir. Fine body of men, sir.' The rider peered at the squad. He actually leaned forward over the horse's neck, causing rain to pour off his helmet. "'This is all, Sergeant?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Most of them look very young,' said the lieutenant, who didn't look very old. "'Yes, sir.' "'And isn't that one a troll?' "'Yes, sir. Well spotted, sir.' And the one with stitches all round his head? He's an Igor, sir. Sort of like a special clan up in the mountains, sir. Do they fight? Can take a man apart very quickly, sir, as I understand it, said Jackram, his expression not changing. The young lieutenant sighed. Well, I'm sure they're all good fellows, he said. Now then, amen, I... Pay attention and listen to what the lieutenant has to say, bawled Strappy. The lieutenant shuddered. "'Thank you, Corporal,' he said. "'Men, I have good news,' he added, "'but in the tone of one who hasn't. "'You were probably expecting a week or two "'in the training camp in Crotz, yes? "'But I'm glad to be able to tell you "'that the, the war is progressing so so, so so well "'that you are to go directly to the front.' "'Polly heard one or two gasps "'and a snigger from Corporal Strappy. "'All of you are to go to the lines,' "'said the lieutenant.' That includes you too, corporal. Your time for action has come at last. The snigger stopped. "Sorry, sir," said Strappy. "The front? But you know that I'm I'm well, you know about the special duties. My orders said all able-bodied men, corporal," said Blouse. "I expect that you'll be itching for the fray after all these years, eh? A young man like you." Strappy said nothing. "However," said the lieutenant, "'fumbling under his soaking cloak. "'I do have a package here for you, Sergeant Jackram. "'A very welcome one, I've no doubt.' "'Jackram took the packet gingerly. "'Thank you, sir. I'll look at this later on,' he began. "'On the contrary, Sergeant Jackram,' said Blouse, "'your last recruits should see this since you are a soldier "'and, as it were, a father of soldiers. "'And so it's only right that they see a fine soldier get his reward. "'An honourable discharge, Sergeant.' Blouse spoke the words as if they had cream and a little cherry on top Apart from the rain the only sound now was Jackram's pudgy finger slowly ripping open the package Oh He said like a man in shock Good a picture of the Duchess. That's eighteen. I have now Oh, and and, oh a piece of paper saying it's a medal So it looks like we've even run out of pot metal now "'Oh, and my discharge with a printing of the Duchess's very own signature itself.' He turned the packet over and shook it. "'Not my three months-back pay, though.' Three loud hurrahs for Sergeant Jackram,' said the lieutenant to the rain and wind. "'Hip, hip! But I thought we needed every man, sir,' said Jackram. "'Judging by all the notes pinned on that packet, it has been following you round for years, Sergeant,' said Blouse. "'You know the military. That is your official discharge, I'm afraid.' "'I cannot rescind it. I am sorry.' "'But,' Jackram began, "'it bears the Duchess's signature, sergeant. Will you argue with that?' "'I said I am sorry. In any case, what would you do? We will not be sending out any more recruiting parties.' "'What?' "'But we always need men, sir,' Jackram protested. "'And I'm fit and well again, got the stamina out of a horse.' "'You are the only man to return with recruits, sergeant. That is how the matter is.' The sergeant hesitated for a moment. And then saluted. Yes, sir. Very good, sir. We'll see the new lad settled in, sir. Pleasure to have served, sir. Can I ask something? said Maledict. You do not address an officer directly, private, snapped Jackram. No, let the man speak, Sergeant, said the Lieutenant. These are unusual times, after all. Yes, my man. Did I hear you say we're going into battle without training, sir? Oh, well. "'Most of you will almost certainly be pikemen,' <laughs> said the lieutenant nervously. "'Not a lot of training there, eh? You just need to know which end is which.' <laughs> the lieutenant looked as though he wanted to die. "'Pikeman,' said Maledict, looking puzzled. "'You heard the lieutenant, Private Maledict,' snapped the sergeant. "'Yes, sir, thank you, sir,' said Maledict, stepping back into the ranks. "'Are there any more questions?' said Blouse, looking along the line. "'Jolly good, then.' We leave by the last boat at midnight. Carry on, sergeant. For now. Uh, What was the other thing? Oh, yes, and I shall need a batman. Volunteers to be the lieutenant's batman step forward, not you, Private Maledict, snapped the sergeant. No one moved. Oh, come now, said the lieutenant. Polly slowly raised a hand. What's a batman, sir? The sergeant grinned mirthlessly. Fair question, he said. A batman is like a personal servant who takes care of the officer, fetches his meals to him, sees he's smartly turned out that style of thing, so as he is free to perform his duties more adequately. -er. Igor stepped forward. "'Igor, thy youth to serve sergeant,' he said. Using the amazing powers of deafness and restricted vision sometimes available even to the most nervous officers, the lieutenant appeared not to notice him. He looked fixedly at Polly. "'What about you, Private?' he said. ''Private Perks used to work in a bar, sir,'' the sergeant volunteered. ''Capital. Report my quarters in the inn at six, Private Perks. Carry on, sergeant.'' As the horse staggered away, Sergeant Jackram directed his glare at the squad, but there was no real fire to it. He appeared to be operating on automatic with his mind elsewhere. ''Don't just stand there trying to look pretty. There's uniforms and weapons inside. Get kitted up. If you want grub, cook it yourself. At the double D's, miss!'' The squad dashed for the barracks, propelled by sheer volume, but Polly hesitated. Corporal Strappy hadn't moved since the snigger had been cut short. He was staring blankly at the ground. You are right, Corporal? she said. You go away, Parts, said the Corporal, in a low voice that was much worse than his normal petulant shout. Just go away, all right. She shrugged and followed the others. But she had noticed the steaming dampness around the Corporal's feet. There was chaos inside. The barracks was really just one big room which did duty as mess, assembly room and kitchen, with big bunk rooms beyond it. It was empty and well on the way to decay. The roof leaked, the high windows were broken, dead leaves had blown in and lay around on the floor among the rat droppings. There were no pickets, no sentries, no people. There was a big pot boiling on the sooty hearth, though, and its hiss and seethe were the only liveliness in the place. At some point... Part of the room had been set up as a kind of quartermaster's store, but most of the shelves were empty. Polly had expected some sort of a queue, some kind of order, possibly someone handing out little piles of clothes. What there was instead was a rummage stall. Very much like a rummage stall, in fact, because nothing on it appeared to be new and little on it appeared to be worth having. The rest of the squad were already pouring through what might have been called merchandise, if there was any possibility that anyone could be persuaded to buy it. "'What's this? One size doesn't fit anyone. Oh, this tunic's got blood on it—blood! "'Well, it is one of the stubborn stains. It's always very hard to get out without. "'Where's the proper armour? Oh, now there's a hole in this one.' Would this? Nothing fits a troll. A small, leathery old man was at bay behind the table, cowing under the ferocity of Maledict's stare. He wore a red uniform jacket, done up badly, with a corporal's stripes, stained and faded, on the sleeve. The left breast was covered in medals. One arm ended in a hook. One eye was covered in a patch. "'We are going to be pikemen,' the lieutenant said,' said the vampire. "'That means a sword and a pike per man, right? And a shield if there's an arrow-storm, right? And a heavy helmet, right?' "'Wrong. You can't yell at me like that,' said the man. "'See these medals? I'm a—' A hand descended from above and lifted him over the table. Carborundum held the man close to his face and nodded. "'Yeah, can see him, mister,' he rumbled. "'And?' The recruits had fallen silent. "'Put him down, Carborundum,' said Polly, gently. "'Why?' "'He's got no legs.' The troll focused. Then, with exaggerated care, he lowered the old soldier to the ground. "'There were a couple of little tapping sounds "'as the two wooden peg-legs touched the planking. "'Sorry about that,' he said. "'The little man steadied himself against the table "'and shuffled his arms around a couple of crutches. "'All right,' he said gruffly. "'No arm done, but watch it another time.' "'But this is ridiculous,' said Maledict, "'turning to Polly and waving a hand at the heap of rags and bent metal. "'You couldn't equip three men out of this mess. "'There are not even any decent boots.' Polly looked along the length of the table. We're supposed to be well equipped, she said to the one-eyed man. We're supposed to be the finest army in the world. That's what we're told, and aren't we winning? The man looked at her. Inside, she stared at herself. She hadn't meant to speak out like that. So they say, he said in a blank kind of way. And what wh- wh- what, do you say, said Wazza. He'd picked up one of the few swords. It was stained and notched. The corporal glanced up at Carburundum, and then at Maledict. "'I'm not stupid, you know,' Wazza went on, red in the face and trembling. "'All this stuff is off uh, at dead men.' "'Well, it's a shame to waste good boots,' the man began. "'We're the last ones, aren't we?' said Wazza. "'The last recruits.' The peg-legged corporal eyed the distant doorway, and saw no relief heading in his direction. "'We've got to stay here all night,' said Manadict. "'Night,' he went on, causing the old corporal to wobble on his crutches, "'where who knows what evil flits through the shadows, "'dealing death on silent wings, seeking a hapless victim who—' "'Yeah, all right, all right, I did see your ribbon,' said the corporal. "'Look, I'm closing up after you, gone. "'I just run the stores, that's all. "'That's all I do, honest. "'I'm on one-tenth pay me on account of the leg situation, "'and I don't want trouble.' And is this all you've got? said Maledict. Don't you have a little something put by? Are you saying I'm dishonest? said the corporal hotly. Let's say I'm open to the idea that you might not be, said the vampire. Come on, corporal. You said we're the last to go. What are you saving up? What have you got? The corporal sighed and swung with surprising speed over to a door which he unlocked. You'd better come and look, he said. But it's not good. It was worse. They found a few more breastplates, but one was sliced in half, and the other was one big dent. A shield was in two pieces too. There were bent swords and crushed helmets, battered hats and torn shirts. I done what I can, sighed the corporal. I hammered stuff out and washed out the clothes, but it's been weeks since I had any coal for the forage, and you can't do nothing about swords without a forage. It's been months since I got any new weapons, and let me tell you, since the dwarfs buggered off, the steel we've been getting is crap anyway. He rubbed his nose. I know you think quartermasters are a thieving bunch, and I won't say we might not skim a bit off the top when things are going well, but this stuff? A beetle couldn't make a living off this. He sniffed again. I ain't been paid in three months neither. I guess one tenth of nothing is not as bad as nothing, but I was never that good at philosophy. Then he brightened up. "'Got plenty to eat, at least,' he said. "'If you like horse, that is. "'Personally, I prefer rat, but there's no accounting for taste.' "'You can't eat a horse,' said Shufty. "'Are you be a rat man?' said the corporal, "'leading the way out into the big room. "'No!' you are learnt to be one. "'You'll all learn,' said the little one-tenth corporal with an evil grin. "'Ever eaten scubble?' "'No.' "'Nothing like a bowl of scubbo when you're hungry. "'You can put anything in scubble. pork. "'Beef, mutton, rabbit, chicken, duck, anything. "'Even rats, if you got them. "'It's food for the marching man, Scubble. "'Got some on the boil out there right now. "'You can have some of that if you like.' "'The squad brightened up. "'Sounds good,' said Eagle. "'What's in it?' "'Boiling water,' said the corporal. "'It's what we call blind, Scubble. "'But there's going to be old horse awesome in a minute, "'unless you've got something better. "'Could do with some seasonings, at least.' "'Who's looking after the Rupert?' "'They looked at one another. "'The corporal sighed. "'The officer,' he explained. "'They're all called Rupert or Rodney "'or Tristram or something. "'They get better grub than you do. "'You could try scrounging something at the inn.' Scrounge, said Polly. "'The old man rolled his one eye. "'Yes, scrounge. scrounge, Nick, Avalendo, "'Borrow, Thieve, Lift, Acquire, Purloin. "'That's what you'll learn "'if you're going to survive this war.' which they say we're winning, of course. Always remember that. He spat vaguely in the direction of the fire, possibly missing the cooking pot only by accident. Yeah, and all the lads I see coming back down the road walking hand in hand with death. They probably overdid the celebrating, eh? So easy to take your hand right off if you open a bottle of champagne the wrong way, eh? I see you've got an eagle with you, you lucky devils. Wish we'd had one when I went off to battle. I wouldn't be kept awake by woodworm if we had. "'We have to steal our food?' said Maledict. "'No, you can starve if that takes your fancy,' said the corporal. "'I've starved a few times. There's no future in it. I "'Ate a man's leg when we were snowed up in the Starn campaign, "'but fair's fair, he ate mine.' He looked at their faces. "'Well, it's not on, is it, eating your own leg? "'You'd probably go blind.' "'You swap legs?' said Polly, horrified. "'Yep.' Me and Sergeant Ausgerder. It was his idea. Sensible man, the sergeant. That kept us alive for the week, and by then the relief got through. We were certainly relieved about that. Oh, dear. Where's my manners? How do you do, lads? My name's Corporal Scalett. They call me Three Parts. He held out his hook. But that's cannibalism, said Tonka, backing away. No, it's not. Not officially. Not unless you eat a whole person, said Three Parts Scalett levelly military rules. All eyes turned to the big pot bubbling on the fire. Horace, said Scallet. I ain't got nothing but, Horace, I told you. I wouldn't lie to you, boys. Now kick yourselves up with the best you can find. What's your name, Stone Man? Carborundum, said the troll. Got a wee bit of decent snacking anthracite saved about the back, then, and some official red paint for you, because I never met a troll yet that wanted to wear a jacket. The rest of you, mark what I'm telling you. Fill up with grub. Fill your pack with grub. Fill your hat with grub. Fill your boots with soup. If any of you run across a pot of mustard, you hang on to it. It's amazing what mustard will help down. And look after your mates. And keep out of the way of officers, because they ain't healthy. That's what you learn in the army. The enemy don't really want to fight you, because the enemy is mostly blokes like you who want to go home with all their bits still on. But officers'll get you killed, Scallett looked round at them there, I said it, and if there's a political amongst you, Mister, you can go and tell tales and toel with you after a few moments of embarrassed silence. Polly said, What's a political like a spy on the on your own side? said Maledict. That's right, said Scallett. There is one in every battalion these days snitching on their mates. Get promotion that way, see. "'Don't want dissent in the ranks, eh? "'Don't want loose talk about losing battles, right? "'Which is a load of bloody kludges "'cause the infantry grumbles all the time. "'Moaning is part of being a soldier,' he sighed. "'Anyway, there's a bunkhouse out the back. "'I beats the Palliarces regular, "'so there's probably not too many fleas.' "'Once again he looked at blank faces. "'That's straw mattresses to you. "'Go on, help yourselves. "'Take what you like.' I'm closing up after you've gone anyway. We must be winning now you rattling lads are joining, right? The clouds had broken when Polly stepped out into the night, and a half-moon filled the world with cold silver and black. The inn opposite was another rubbishy alehouse for selling bad beer to soldiers. It stank of ancient slops even before she opened the door. The sign was flaked and unrecognisable, but she could read the name. The world turned upside down. She pushed open the door. The smell got worse. There were no customers and no sign of strappy or Jackram. but Polly did see a servant methodically spreading the inn's dirt evenly across the floor with a mob. Excuse me, she began and then remembered the socks, raised her voice and tried to sound angry. Hey, where is the lieutenant? The servant looked at her and gestured up the stairs with a thumb. There was only one candle alight up there and she knocked on the nearest door. Enter. She entered. Lieutenant Blouse was standing in the middle of the floor in his breeches and shirt-sleeves, holding a sabre. Polly was no expert in these matters, but she thought she recognised the stylish, flamboyant pose as the one beginners tend to use just before they're stabbed through the heart by a more experienced fighter. "'Ah, perks, isn't it?' he said, lowering the blade. "'Just, uh, limbering up.' "'Yes, sir?' "'There's some laundry in the bag over there. I expect someone in the inn will do it. What's for supper?' "'I'll check, sir.' "'What are the men having?' Scubble, sir, said Polly. Possibly with horror. Then bring me, some, will you? We are at war, after all, and I must show an example to my men, said Blouse, sheathing the sword at the third attempt. That would be good for morale. Polly glanced at the table. A book lay open on top of a pile of others. It looked like a manual of swordsmanship, and the page it was open at was page five. Beside it was a thick lensed pair of spectacles. Are you a reading man Perks? said Blouse, closing the book. "'Polly hesitated, but then what did Ozzer care?' "'A bit, sir,' she admitted. "'I suspect I shall have to leave most of these behind,' he said. "'Do take one if you want it.' "'He waved a hand at the books. "'Polly read the titles. "'The Craft of War, Principles of Engagement, "'Battle Studies, Tactical Defence. "'All a bit heavy for me, sir,' she said. "'Thanks all the same.' "'Tell me, Perks,' said Blaz, "'are the recruits in, uh, good spirits?' He gave her a look of apparently genuine concern. He really did have no chin, she noticed. His face just eased its way into his neck without much to disturb it on the way. But his Adam's apple, now, that was a champion. It went up and down his neck like a ball on a spring. Polly had been soldiering for only a couple of days, but already an instinct had developed. In summary, it was this. Lie to officers. "'Yes, sir,' she said. "'Getting everything they need.' The aforesaid instinct weighed the chances of them getting anything more than they'd already got as a result of a complaint, and Polly said, Yes, sir. Of course, it is not up to us to question our orders, said Blouse. Wasn't doing so, sir, said Polly, momentarily perplexed. Even though at times we might feel— The lieutenant began and started again. Obviously, warfare is a very volatile thing, and the tide of battle can change in a moment. Yes, sir, said Polly, still staring. The man had a small spot where his spectacles had rubbed on his nose. The lieutenant seemed to have something on his mind, too. Why did you join out, Perks? he said, groping on the table and finding his spectacles at the third attempt. He had woollen gloves on with the fingers cut out. Patriotic duty, sir, said Polly promptly. You lied about your age? No, sir. Just patriotic duty, Perks? There were lies, and then there were lies. Polly shifted awkwardly. Would quite like to find out what's happened to my brother Paul, sir, she said. Ah, yes. Lieutenant Blouse's face, not a picture of happiness to begin with, suddenly bore a hunted look. Paul Perks, sir, Polly prompted. I'm, er, uh, not really in a position to know Perks, said Blouse. I was working as a, er, um, I was, er, uh, in charge of, er, uh, I was engaged in special work back at headquarters, er, uh, "'Obviously I don't know all the soldiers' perks. "'Older brother, uh, is he?' "'Yes, sir. Joined the ins and outs last year, sir.' "'And, er, have you any younger brothers?' "'said the lieutenant.' "'No, sir.' "'Ah, well, that's something to be thankful for at any rate,' "'said Blouse.' "'It was a strange thing to say.' "'Polly's brow wrinkled in puzzlement. "'Sir?' she said. "'And then she felt an unpleasant sensation of movement.' Something was slipping slowly down the inside of her thigh. Anything the matter, Perks? said the Lieutenant, catching her expression. No, sir. Just a uh, a bit of cramp, sir, all the marching, sir. She clamped both hands around one knee and edged backwards toward the door. I'll just go and just go and see your supper, sir. Yes, yes, said Blouse, staring at her leg. Yes. Please. End of CD2.